Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. When you're dating, it can be so easy to get caught up in the stress and anxiety of every situation. Why aren't they communicating? Why didn't they text me back? Am I getting ghosted? Why is this happening again? Why can't someone commit? I've asked myself all of these questions too, more times than I can count. You wouldn't believe what happens when you approach these situations with a different mindset and focus on solutions instead of problems. I started therapy because I was so stuck on the problems in my dating life. My therapist helped me learn why I was ending up in the same situations over and over and helped me come up with a different way and a different mindset to approach dating. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists anytime. Whether you want to be a better problem solver or a better dater, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash other people today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash other people. Hey guys, it's Alana and you're listening to Seeing Other People Unfiltered. Each Thursday on Unfiltered, I'll be bringing on a different anonymous guest to open up about their real life dating experiences. We'll discuss what they went through or are going through, how they navigated it, what they've learned, and what advice they have to anyone else going through something similar. Unfiltered is your reminder that no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. If you have a topic that you'd like to discuss on Unfiltered, please email your story to seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com to be considered for an episode. Real people, real stories, real life. This is Seeing Other People Unfiltered. Today's guest is a 28-year-old heterosexual woman who currently lives in New York. She opens up about her first dating app experiences in 2019, which included somebody who ghosted her out of nowhere, followed by a situation that had a tremendous negative impact on her mental and physical health. We discuss how she overcame these traumatizing dating experiences in order to get back out there and end up in a healthy relationship. Seeing Other People Unfiltered is presented by Mindset Wellness CBD. If you haven't tried Mindset Wellness CBD or any CBD for that matter, you are missing out. Mindset Wellness CBD's products, all of their gummies are gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO, organic, and they taste incredible. They have helped my anxiety. They've helped me sleep at night, and I couldn't recommend them more highly. Head to MindsetWellnessCBD.com and use code SEEINGOTHERPEOPLE at checkout for 10% off and free shipping. And we are in the episode. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Alana. It's so exciting to finally meet you. I guess it's not in person, but it's virtually, so... I mean, it counts I, at this yeah. point in 20, we're in 2021 mm-hmm. virtual counts as real life. No, it does for sure. You know, it, I feel like I've known you for so much longer starting from, you know, your hinge days with all of the content that you would put out. And then here we are. The good old days. Here we are. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so appreciative that you reached out and that you are willing to share your story. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit and share what you're here to talk about? Sure. So I'll keep everything anonymous. I'll try not to slip up here. So I am a late 20s heterosexual female. I live in New York City in the five boroughs. My story, I guess, focuses on how I went through two pretty extreme negative dating experiences within a short period of time of joining the online dating scene. So I had gone several years without attempting really to date at all. And then I you know, jumped into the pool and my first two experiences were quite bad. So it kind of starts out with the low of lows, but then I want to more focus on happier ending of it was that from those two lows, you know, in, you know, despite the pandemic, I was able to meet someone and to develop a healthy relationship that, you know, 
has not brought out the negative parts of what I experienced in the past. And it's given me hope that good things can happen. Absolutely. And I am sorry to hear that you had like a terrible introduction to the online dating world, Mm -hmm. but um, hopefully the new relationship you're in has made up for that. And of course, things that you experienced are things that I've experienced as well. And I'm sure a lot of people listening have gone through or might even be going through right now. So as hard as it probably was to go through and as isolating of an experience, it felt like it's, it's, it's always nice to know that you're not alone in it. No, for sure. And as I said to you when I wrote in that, you know, your experience was just so validating to me and I'm, I'm, you know, your previous experiences and it's sad to me that it's validating in a negative way. But I think that podcasts like this are helpful in just showing us that despite how isolating it can feel, we have experienced a lot of these things and that, you know, there's nothing wrong with us and that we haven't necessarily done anything wrong and that we can still end up better on the other side for it. Exactly. And and I love that you're able to show the the better end of, of mm-hmm. it after going through all that shit. So let's get into <laughs> it. Um, do you want to talk us through your first dating app experience and what went down? Sure. So I was, I was living in the city for a brief period of time before I ended up moving into New York permanently. And I thought that it was a good time to, you know, to give the dating app experience a whirl. I hadn't really felt lonely in a few years. It was the first time that I'd actually felt lonely and that I wanted to be with someone. So I signed up for a bunch of them. And as I think everyone listening knows, it's a numbers game that you reach out to a million and one people and two of them respond, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And hopefully, yeah, hopefully one and a half out of 50. If you're lucky. Yeah. And uh, I had connected with someone and I mean, it was several people, but as you also know, you talk to a lot of people and you, you get your hopes up and then they kind of all fizzle out. Most of them fizzle, ends up fizzling out of the few who do respond. And this one person, I'll call him Mike. I thought we had connected well over the app and we've been talking for a while and it had actually been a few days and I didn't really know what I was doing, but he hadn't asked me out on a date at that point. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. So I did that. And we had our first date and I thought that it went well. And, you know, in the beginning, he was a pretty good texter. I guess we'll talk more about texting, but I, I became a bit, I don't know if I started this way, but at least with this guy, Mike, I was a very anxious texter because he started out being very responsive to me. So I sort of expected that. So he started out being, you know, very responsive. I thought the dates were fun and that they went well, but I did notice sort of as the weeks went on, that he was even less proactive about initiating dates and he didn't really initiate texting anymore. And I was kind of freaking out in my brain. So I'm like, what's happening? I don't understand this. And I thought that our actual dates in person were going well, but I was just trying to push it off to the side. And there was one point where I sort of expressed my being uncomfortable that he wasn't suggesting dates or being proactive. And he said, well, if I don't want to see you anymore, I'll tell you. So I don't want you to worry which was probably ultimately the worst thing he could have said to me because a few weeks after that, when I thought that we were setting up plans to see each other on a day, he ghosted me. And this was after I think we'd seen each other in person five times. So I I think that falls squarely in that you don't ghost someone at that point. Yeah. If you say that, like (laughs) you don't need to say that first of all. So if you are going out of your way to say that, you got to put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. So yeah. So he, so he ghosted me and I was freaking out because I didn't really know what was, I don't want to say I didn't know what was going on, but I didn't think that this could happen to me. 
And, yeah. you know, I texted him a few times. Then the next day, I still hadn't heard from him. And I left him a voicemail. He didn't respond. In hindsight, I wouldn't have done any of that. But I was just like, what is happening? And Well, also, know, because he had said to you, like, I will tell you mm-hmm. if I'm no longer interested. So you're just like, okay, well, you're. I'm sure you kept reminding yourself that he said yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's so that's such a mind fuck because yes. you're like, well, he's he said this thing. He didn't have to say that. He chose to say that. And now I'm not hearing from him, but like, is something wrong? Like, Mm -hmm. did he, it's the whole, like, did he lose his phone? Is he in jail or like in the hospital or something? Like what's Mm -hmm. going on? So, I mean, I think, I think a lot of people in, in your situation would have done the same. Oh, well, what makes it better is that he had read receipts on his phone. So, (laughs) yeah. So, yes. So he, he was clearly alive. He just chose to chose to cut it and yeah. you know so that was I don't know if you want me to keep going on to my second experience or to end with that and then if you want to continue. yeah no that sounds good I and and one thing we'll definitely get into more later is is the texting thing because it is interesting how you didn't think of yourself as an anxious texter before and then I guess since this was your first like dating app experience and it went from like being like proactively like both of you were texting and then it it started to like maybe fizzle a bit and then mm-hmm. it was just totally cut off. I I think that experience is what exactly what makes people anxious texters mm-hmm. where you start to wonder every time they don't answer for an hour or two is like, mm-hmm. is this it? Like, are they ghosting me? Like, is it over? And I think mm-hmm. that's something that a lot of us, a lot of us struggle with, unfortunately, but it's because of past experiences. It's not like we woke up one day and we're like, yeah, I'm going to overthink every single text now. It's like, no, like things happened and there was a situation that made our brains work this way, which sucks, but it's, it's kind of the way the world works. Yeah, no, exactly. And it didn't help that whenever he would go long periods of time without responding, his text back would feel engaging and apologetic. So that just kind of made the cycle worse, I think. Yeah. That'd be like, oh, okay, everything's fine. He responded. He's alive. We're all good. Yeah. And then, (laughs) and then it turned out the way it turned out. Yeah. So, okay. So after that, did you get right back on the apps to look for the next guy or did you take a little time off because you were like hurting? Like what happened Um, and lead me into the next situation? So my kind of MO, which I'm not going to claim that it's healthy, everybody's different, is that I need to like keep going for the most part. So I kind of just went right back into it. And I went on a date with another guy and we went on two dates and I just like wasn't feeling it. I don't think I would have felt it anyway, but it definitely didn't help that I was still not over what had happened with my ghosting episode. But then I connected with this guy, Dave. It was a few weeks after I was ghosted and he was very friendly over the app. He very quickly asked me, he's like, oh, you seem fun. Like we should get drinks. And I mean, it's actually interesting because if you know me, you know that I I don't like it at all when people ask me immediately to, mm, to go okay. out. I prefer that they, that well, I preferred that I know the person more so that I know that they're not a serial killer. Yeah. But it, it actually, it worked out in the sense that our date wasn't able to be scheduled for almost a week, like between matching and being yeah. able to go out. So we had a lot of time to text before we did actually meet in person. But what was interesting, and we'll kind of come back to this, was that he'd asked me, and I believe he was the only person at that point who had ever asked me what I was doing on the dating apps. 
And I had told him that I was looking for a relationship as I, me again, naively saying, I would imagine what most people are looking for. I said, ideally a relationship. And I asked him and he said, you know, I'd ideally like a relationship, but I want to see where things go and I want to be slow. I don't want to rush things. And I said, okay, you know, that, that sounds reasonable. Mm-hmm. So we went on a bunch of dates and they all felt amazing to me. He was a super fast texter, very proactive texter. It was He gave me lots of attention when we weren't together and when we were together. He was extremely affectionate and wanted to see me. And it, you know, I had really never experienced, at least at that time, being treated so well. So I was in a very happy place mentally. But then we got maybe about two months in, we still had not had the DTR conversation. And I was getting kind of anxious about it. And we had sort of had a few conversations. This was more of a texting than in person, where we were sort of beating around the bush of the topic where we would make jokes about, you know, oh, you must be talking to all those people over here. Or like you must be matching with so many people. And it was just, mm-hmm. it was awkward. I mean, maybe I'm projecting onto him, but I think it was clearly a getting the sense of like, what were we doing? Yeah. And it's also, I feel like you don't have those conversations unless you are actually not seeing other people. Like if you're having those conversations and making those jokes, it means that you're both not doing that. Yeah. And, you know, based on how he treated me, you know, I figured that how could there be any way that he was seeing other people? I mean, he had pet names for me. So I think Mm -hmm. that that would be, at least in my experience, a little odd if he had them for multiple people. But what do I know? So about two and a half months after we started dating, I brought up the conversation and I said, I was horrified. I was so, so nervous. And I said, I think we should be exclusive. And I think the first thing he said to me was, how long have you been thinking about that? And then the second thing he said was, can I think about it? And when he said, can I think about it? That should have just been the end of it, truthfully. Mm-hmm. But it, I was just, I didn't even really know how to react. And his rationale for wanting to think about it was that I, I didn't know this when I had first matched with him, but he had come out of a very long relationship just before he met me. So he truly had no warning time whatsoever. He went right on the apps, which I think in, in hindsight was a, a red flag that he didn't have any yeah. time to himself whatsoever. But he you know, said that he was just afraid to commit and that there was stuff he was going through. And what happened, which is what happened a lot with us ultimately, is that he would see how upset I got and then he would get upset and say how sorry he was for making me feel this way. And which is very, a very unhealthy cycle of how to deal with this. Yeah. So I, you know, basically that was kind of a turning point. And as time went on, he slowly withdrew that he, he started out, as I said, being very proactive and wanting to see me. And he basically stopped initiating dates completely. He more often than not, I was the one who was initiating conversations. He, a big thing for me, which was very hard was that he kind of stopped saying nice things to me about me. It's not that he would insult me, but if we're talking love languages, the words of affirmation pretty much went away completely, which was very hard for me to deal with. And I would say things to him about it. And he would say, you know, you know, I'm worried about leading you on, blah, 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 you know, because I know I'm not giving you what you want, but I can't give it to you right now. And of course, I should have said, okay, we're done. 
but I, I would say, I guess for my own validation, I would say, well, do you want to keep seeing me? And he would say, yes. He said, I like when we hang out together. So yes. And you know, that kind of, you know, it just sort of ended up spiraling and getting worse and worse from my perspective, from my perspective. And then what finally, I guess, broke the camel's back was we were making plans and this was in the middle of a work day, the middle of the week. How, how far in are we now? Like how, what's the timeline? Five months, five months in. And we were trying to, I was trying to make plans with him and he was being very aloof about it. And he was just like putting it off and Normally I'd be like, okay, what's your schedule? And I would just try to make it work. But something within me just decided that it wasn't okay. And I called him out on it. And when I sent that text to him, whatever it said, basically saying that I feel like you're not trying, I knew that there could be a not positive reaction to it. And his react, his response to it was that like, I like you and you know that, but I can't give you what you want. So I told, we promised each other that we wouldn't lead each other on. So I think we should take a step back and be friends for now. And, you know, looking back, there were a lot of things that just really bugged me about how that went down. As I had told you originally, like he said this to me over text during work. And I think after dating someone for five months, you at least owe them that if I were him, I would have been like, can we talk about this later over the phone? Maybe. Yeah. At the very least. Yeah. And I was kind of in a state of shock and I, my reaction was we can do this, but I'm not emotionally equipped to carry it. So you need to carry it. Even though deep down, as I'm sure most people would think that what I wanted was that he would change his mind and that, of course, and that he would decide that he's ready to be in a relationship. So for about three weeks after that, there was like three days that we didn't talk. And that was the longest we'd ever gone without talking to each other. And three days later, he texts me again saying like, Hey, how was your weekend? And that kind of started this cycle of almost every day he would text me and we would just talk about random things. And it was the type of stuff that he would send me things that like, you didn't need to send me this. You could send this to anybody, but you were sending it to me. So the conversations just kept going and he would never initiate plans. And I, refused to do that. So I didn't. And I just kind of, you know, I would respond and, you know, there was a part of my heart that was really not okay with any of this. And when that would happen, I would just sort of stop responding to the texts that I would decide in my head, the conversation's over. I can't do it. We're done. And three, about three and a half. Oh, also I'll add while this was happening, I had noticed of all things, because this is kind of, you know, a weird part of the story was that Venmo, as most of us use, and has a feed that you can see people's transactions a lot. I don't think I told you about this. I started seeing transactions in his feed, in my feed of him with girls who I didn't know that he'd never mentioned before. Mm. And I was losing my mind. I, yeah. And that was, that was creating a whole other level of anxiety that I did not need. So about a little under four weeks after we were in the friends arrangement, I texted him like, we need to talk because I'm not comfortable with what's going on. And, you know, we spoke for two hours and he admitted that at some point he decided that he didn't want to, that he couldn't see us in a relationship and he didn't know why that there was a missing link that he couldn't define, but he liked me and he liked hanging out with me. 
And he, he started crying. He was crying for most of this conversation, saying how sorry he was for doing this to me and that I didn't deserve this. And he said that I should say some pretty offensive things to him back in terms of that, of him pretty much admitting that he was terrible to me. And he had acknowledged that while we've been going out, that he'd gone on dates with other people and that as he was trying to justify it, he said, well, like nothing ever amounted to anything. No, 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 no. And that's, that's a problem. Yeah. So, you know, I was, I was having trouble processing a lot as I'm sure you can imagine. And I, and you know, to keep the conversation short, because I don't want to go into too many details of it. I had, you know, I told him that if, you know, I need to process all of this, you'll like, you'll hear from me again when I process it. Because I was just like, my mind was a bit blown in a lot of ways. But I will say that at that time, I still gave him the benefit of the doubt. Like I felt bad for him as sad as I was, I, I still just thought he's a really messed up person emotionally. And I was able to not justify his behavior, but have more understanding of it. And I would say that interestingly, I, I'm kind of going out of order. The, I'm, if you're talking about stages of grief, talking today in 2021, more than a year after this has happened, I guess a year and a half after this has happened, like I'm at the anger stage with him now. And I've been that way for a while that what he did was very unforgivable and I don't forgive him. And it's interesting listening to one of the other stories that one, one of the, um, the unfiltered that you did where the person said that they loved that person who had wronged them and therefore they want happy things for them, for them to be with someone. I'm not at that stage. And also I'll throw in, cause this makes the story better is that. So after this, it, after we stopped speaking, after that phone call, um, a few months later, I'm going out of order, but a few months later, we were connected on social media still. And I was on my way home from a bad first date in my process of putting myself back together. And I opened Facebook and it's him with his new girlfriend. No. Uh, yeah. Three months later. So the one who could not commit clearly could, but. And that's exactly what happened to the other anonymous Mm -hmm. on the breakup Mm -hmm. episode. Jesus. What? This is like, what's so frustrating because if like, first of all, Dave should have told you right off the bat, or at least like a few dates in that, like he liked spending time with you, but he just got out of a very long-term relationship. Like for Mm -hmm. the, for you to not find that out until a lot later, that's really misleading because even Mm -hmm. if like, I know a few cases where it's like, there was a breakup and then it was like the first date after and they lived happily ever after whatever but that is so rare and you like it takes time to get past a breakup it takes time to figure out who you are without that person and it it sounds like he jumped into seeing you and other people and (laughs) realized at some point that he did not see a, a future with you but did not admit to that made up a different excuse um that he wasn't ready and then decided once you guys kind of stopped talking no I need her for emotional support Mm -hmm. and that's 
that happens. And it's not like, it's not like he woke up one day and he was like, I'm going to go hurt this girl. Like, that's my intention. Like it's, that's not what like went on in his head. And, but it almost feels like that. It's like, what, like when you're going through that, it's like, what is so wrong with me that this person wants to like do all these things to hurt me so much. Yeah, no, it was extremely, it was extremely, I'm sorry to interrupt. It was extremely, extremely manipulative. And I was very much his therapist and I was his therapist when we were no longer dating. And it, it took me a long time, I guess, to realize the full extent of all of that. Especially to get also get to a point where then when he was admitting to all the things that he did to wrong you, you felt bad for him mm-hmm. because of how he was approaching that conversation and, and almost playing like the victim. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's what yeah. he did. I mean, it was very interesting. You know, there were just so many parts of it that were so not okay that I didn't realize the depth of it. You know, there was the whole aspect of it that I didn't talk about before, but like there was sexual pressure involved that he would try to push me despite knowing what I wasn't okay with, but he would keep going. And it took me until like a while after we stopped dating and stopped talking. And I'm like, even though like in the moment he never actually forced me to do anything, like this isn't okay. Like I, I shouldn't have accepted that. And it was, it was just a lot of bad experiences thrown in one. I got, I got a whole gamut of greatness. (laughs) Why do you think you did accept it? I think because as I'm sure many people do, I was holding on to the good and what I experienced in the beginning, I had never, I I had a boyfriend in college, but I had never been treated as well in the beginning as Dave had treated me. In terms of being, I I want to say like loved on, but because I wouldn't necessarily say we loved each other. We cared about each other really deeply, which I guess is also a form of love. But he, in the ways he was good to me originally in ways that I had never experienced before. So I would focus on that. Yeah, as we do. Mm -hmm. As we do. Mm -hmm. Okay, so after this, how how long did it take you to, to feel okay dating again, trusting again, what was your process? Obviously you said it's like now it's, it's been a while, but you're now still like in, like you're in the anger stage. Like Mm -hmm. what was your process of moving forward from this and being able to go into a dating experience with an open mind or not even like how much did it impact you afterwards? Sure. So following it, I'd say I was mentally in crisis. That that's really the best way to put it. I did do therapy for several months after to just to, because I got to the point, the way I process things is to talk about them over and over and over again. And my friends could only do so much to be fair to them. It's not, I mean, they, they were great, but what can they say to me after a certain point? So, yeah. you know, that was part of it. And I waited maybe like two months because this happened, the last phone call was in October. And then it was after Thanksgiving that I decided okay. to, to try again. And the main thing I did, like main concrete step I did was that before I'd go out with someone, I would ask them what they were looking for on dating apps. And I know that you've had this conversation a lot on the podcast of, is it weird to ask people what you're looking for? And when I've listened to you talk about it, my answer, my opinion is that you need to ask people and you shouldn't feel weird about doing it if you know what you want. And if someone is freaked out by that, that's their problem. It's not mm-hmm. your problem. And that there's nothing wrong with wanting something serious and there's nothing wrong with wanting something casual. 
So can I ask you a question? Because mm-hmm. I, I, I do agree. I don't think it's weird. I think it's something mm-hmm. that some people might think is weird, but if that's the case, then that's not the person you want to date. And that's not mm-hmm. somebody who's as emotionally like strong as you are or like emotionally mm-hmm. mature. But my question is, do you, when you do ask, do you expect that you're going to get an honest answer? It's funny you say that. So I had spoken about this with my therapist at the time and her opinion was that she thought it was unlikely that people would lie about it. What I would say with my strategy was that I would always make them answer first, because I think that if I say when I'm, that I'm looking for a relationship, I think someone is more likely if they don't want one, they're more likely to twist their answer into making it sound like it mm-hmm. would work because they're just trying to get a date or yeah. Or not a date, but you know, right. a hookup or whatever. So yeah. yeah, I mean I you know, I do I know if a lot of the people were being honest to me? Not necessarily, but there were a few people that said to me, you know, I just got out of a relationship, so I wanna, you know, take some time, you know, be slow with things. I'm like, nope. You know, there was someone who said, so he was 30. He's like, you know, I'm like not looking to get married and have kids anytime soon. So I, inter- it's not that I'm looking to do that tomorrow either, but I interpreted that as, okay, you're casual. Nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it was, I maybe filtering people that didn't deserve it possibly, but I just, I did not have the capacity to deal with being let on again. Yeah. And so- you were, didn't want to get so far deep in just to find out something different. I mean, I think the way you went about it was really smart, even if like worst case, maybe you missed someone who potentially could have been like a good match or at least Mm -hmm. like a good few dates, but you knew what you needed and Mm -hmm. you weren't going to accept anything less, which is what we often do. Yeah, exactly. And I'll say that the first few dates after in a weird way, I was lucky that my first date after date was terrible because I was concerned that I would either like fall in love with the first person I went out with in terms of like desperation or I'd be like, they'll never be Dave. Like it's hard. Yeah. Like I can't. So the fact that he was so objectively just a bad date, it made that was good. I, I know that's a weird way to think of it, but it was good that it was bad because it just, yeah. okay, unequivocally, no go, move on. But I did have trouble in the first few dates, people who I went out with that I just, I couldn't help. I was, I would truly sit there on a first date comparing to Dave of what I felt this way with him on our first date. I'm not feeling this now. And, you know, it was hard. And I think the first thing that the first one that helped, what thing that helped was that I went out with someone who I did feel a connection with. And it was the first date that I wasn't thinking about Dave at all. I just enjoyed myself. And then I actually went on three dates with this person. And then this person texted me that they did not feel chemistry, but they gave me the longest, nicest breakup text that someone could ever give, give anybody. And it made me cry, but not because he was rejecting me. It just gave me date flashbacks of like, cause I, I was crying about Dave. I wasn't crying about mm-hmm. this person because this person was so respectful to me. He, I mean, he was really, he couldn't have written me a better, you know, act text as yeah as you would know so act. It, if, any, if anyone listening doesn't know what <laughs> act is act is the formula to writing an anti-ghosting text mm-hmm. it was coined on dating sucks and it's act acknowledge compliment terminate think and i just want to jump in for a minute here because i know like people are like 
people literally messaged us saying, I mean, saying like, no more ghosting, like stop talking about ghosting. We get it. Like don't ghost, but it's like, people still do it. And people don't understand how harmful it is to somebody else. And it literally takes like two minutes to write a decent few sentence anti-ghosting text. And it takes like maybe three or four minutes to write a really nice one that could literally like turn somebody's dating experience around and like give them hope and make them feel respected. So it's just something to keep in mind if you're thinking about ghosting or if it's like, I know sometimes we're like, oh no, I didn't respond to them. And now it's been like a few days and it feels awkward to respond now. It's too late. Like, I'm just going to let it go. Like the other person might literally be sitting there like staring at their phone, waiting to hear from you and not knowing what's happening. So just like, keep that in mind. Yeah, no, I I texted him good morning, the day after our third date. And his text to me was the, like, I'm really sorry, but yeah, I'm not feeling chemistry and I don't see it improving. So, you know, ABC and he was telling Mm. me all the ways that I'm great and I wish the best for you. And it was just, it was really sweet, which also like, he's someone who I I truly wish the best for him because he was so good to me and I I can't begrudge him for not feeling chemistry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and that's how it should be. It should be like honest and open and like, Hey, I'm glad we met, but I don't see this progressing in the way that I would is like what we both want, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it should be like, okay, I'm glad we met too. Thank you for letting me know. Done. On mm-hmm. to the next. Mm-hmm. But it's not a perfect world. No, unfortunately not. Nope. So should I should I move into the transition into, I guess, pandemic? COVID Let's 2020? Yeah. So that, that breakup text, if you want to call it a breakup text, anti-ghosting text, that was a month before the pandemic really took off. I went on vacation right after that. So obviously, you know, a forced break. And then I came back. I was lucky that I was able to get back from my vacation before the world shut down. I was at home with my family. You know, nobody was seeing anybody. I was still talking to people on the apps a bit, but I couldn't see anybody. So nothing was really happening. And then I moved back into the city last summer and I matched with someone, we will call him Jeffrey on Bumble. And this was at the end of June of 2020. And he, you know, was Bumble, so I wrote first, and he responded. I think he responded at a normal hour, but the way he worked was that he would respond, like, once every 24 hours, like, two in the morning. He'd always respond, Mm -hmm. but it was, like, once a day. And he was the type of person, when I would describe people's profiles, there were certain profiles in Alana, I'm sure you've experienced this, that, you know, we match with people where it's like, okay, this is fine, but there are other people that you get really excited about when you match with them because you just think this profile looks really good and you think they're really attractive. And yeah, you and then you start excited. planning your whole life together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I would I would put him in that category of I was just, you know, I thought he was attractive. I thought he seemed really fun. So I was excited and we were having a good conversation and he was only responding to me once a day at two in the morning, but I also knew that he told me that his job was really rough and you know, I, I chose to believe him. It's also, he didn't owe me anything at that point. We were just talking over apps mm-hmm. and he, you know, I'm a very chatty texter and he was like, you know, rather than me, like listing out all my hobbies, why don't we just FaceTime? And before I was willing to do that, I said, well, what brings you to Bumble? And the answer he gave me was that, you know, at this point, he just wants to see where things go. And, you know, it would be great if it became something long term, but he doesn't preclude anything, I think is how he put it. And I remember being so disappointed reading that. I I, I don't want to say devastated. I was really disappointed 
because we were having a really good conversation and I didn't want to give it up because based on the terms that I created six months before I had to let him go. Why didn't you? Why didn't I? There was something in my gut that just kind of wanted to force it a bit, I guess. And I had explained to him that I was only looking for something committed and, you know, not wasn't committed, obviously. And he said, okay, no, thanks for clarifying that, you know, I'd ideally like a long-term partner. I just, I can't commit to that with anybody immediately. I would need to, you know, be in a more casual zone for a month or two. And I said, okay, you know, that's understandable. I've just been really hurt in the past from lack of communication. So I'm trying to avoid that. And he's like, no, I'm sorry. You went through that. I, I promise you communication. And so I decided, you know, okay, we're, we're going to try this. We're, yeah. you know, my brain was very much, don't do it. My heart said to try, mm-hmm. you know, against, against my better judgment, maybe, but my heart said try. So we had our first FaceTime date we had our second FaceTime date and they were both amazing. You know, they were both really good. And I think it was during the second FaceTime date, he had told me that he was going to see family for almost two months, which was a plane ride away. And that was a very doable thing during COVID because he could work from wherever. But he suggested that we meet in person before he goes. And I said, okay, you know, I was disappointed that he was going away for however many weeks that was. I was like, okay, you know, the first two dates were good virtually. So I wanted to meet in person, see if there was chemistry. And we had our first in-person date. It was the park and dinner and it was, you know, really, 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 really good. And we, you know, it was like a six hour date. It was lovely. And, you know, there was a part of me that was really nervous about what, things would tap what would happen going forward because I think he'd every right and I'd every right that after that first date he was going to be gone for almost two months that mm-hmm. just let it it would die yeah, and I think that fizzle. yeah and I think that for anybody who isn't me and if I was recommending to other people I would say you know he's gone for two months talk to other people go on other dates and I couldn't bring myself to do it because I am also the type of person who dates one person at a time anyway, but I just, I couldn't do it. And I'll also add during this time that his texting patterns that had existed on Bumble had continued in between our dates from the birth. Where you were getting like one a day? Um, I get a few a day where it would be like every three or four hours or, and, yeah. he would, and he wouldn't really initiate. And like, that would kind of freak me out because it's, you know, I think you're into this. So why aren't you showing any sort of texting initiative or, you know, quickness in your responses? Yeah. So that, you know, that was really the only thing that kind of bugged me a bit. Was that tough coming off of experiences where a change in texting or like slowed down texting did actually indicate that something had changed? Um, it was, I think the rational part of my brain was trying to say that if he was being consistent then that was just him. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I think I also think if it's if it starts one way and they keep that up, then that is it it's not a bad sign. It's just a sign of like that's the way that they communicate mm-hmm. over text. And it is really tough to remind ourselves that not everyone is as good of a texter as we may be or mm-hmm. um likes to text the person that they're talking to all the time. It, it's it, it is hard because like 
texting is a language. It's almost like texting is a love language. It's the sixth love language. And it is really hard and it can be really scary when yours doesn't match the other person's. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's good that you, you like listen to the rational voice in your head. And it's also, he did keep making FaceTime dates. It's like, that's what I always try and tell my friends and, and listeners when they write in. It's like, if the person's texting is different, but they're still making plans and following up on those plans and those plans are happening and there are dates happening, then you don't have anything to worry about. Yeah. And I'll say that when he was gone, so he left a few days after our first date and then less than a week later, he texted me asking, can we FaceTime this day? And we FaceTime for three hours. And And then a week later, we did it again. And basically every FaceTime date ended with him saying, so are we going to do this again next week? And once I realized that this was going to be a steady thing, I was able to not chill out because it's not that I was really anxious at that point, but realize, okay, he's serious about me and about talking Mm -hmm. to me. And, you know, we, you know, we did text every day while he was away, but, you know, I wasn't anxious about it anymore because it was normal for him. And I got a greater sense of how his job was as crazy as it is. And, you know, you don't text someone three hours every Sunday just for the hell of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, you know, it was really nice. And we, we became very close emotionally and kind of a benefit of being away is that we were able to develop this emotional bond without potential pressure of physical stuff. And you know, I think that was kind of always something that was always made me nervous of like me not being ready to do whatever. And then, Especially after Dave and how yeah. he mm-hmm. pressured you. Yeah. So, you know, we developed a very strong emotional bond, talking about all the deep things. And, you know, when he finally came back at the end of the summer, you know, I saw him the day after he came back and everything was great. It was like no time had passed. And then a week after that, we were hanging out and he said, you know, I'm not talking to anybody else on the, on the apps. And I said, well, I'm not either. And he said, well, I guess we're exclusive. And that was like mind blowing, I guess, because I didn't have time to stress about it because he just brought it up. And then a few weeks later, you know, again, we were talking and I just met his friends and a few of his friends. And then he said, you know, how do you feel about us putting a label on it? And again, it's like, I didn't have time to get anxious about it because he just he just made it easy and that's kind of been I guess the mind-blowing thing of all of it is that it doesn't have to be stressful it doesn't have to be anxious it doesn't have to be like Mm -hmm. a terrible keep you up at night wonder what's wrong Mm -hmm. with you situation yeah Mm -hmm. and I know this is something that I've been dealing with too where like I am in a healthy relationship I think for the first time in my life Mm -hmm. and that's almost been like scary in itself because I Mm -hmm. have continuously doubted it and doubted myself because I'm not used to it. It's like, I, and and like, I joke about this, but like, I always say to my boyfriend now, I'm like, I always say to Jake, like, so are you going to ghost me this weekend? Like when, like, are you going to ghost me after we like go on this trip? And it's like, like, and I, I say that like partially as a joke, but like partially because to me, it's confusing that like, somebody wants to con- like actually like be in this serious relationship yeah. and like share their life with me in a way. Cause I'm just used to getting hurt and I'm used to people saying that they 
like what Dave said too, is like, I don't know if I want to commit, but like, I don't think I want to right now, but I like, I really like talking to you and spending time with you. Mm -hmm. And I like would ride that wave as long as I could until it crashed and burned. And Mm -hmm. so was it hard for you in, in the beginning or like when things were going well, I know you said that it, there wasn't any time for you to get anxious, but were there any moments where you were like, I don't know, like usually this is the point where this would happen, like where they would say this thing or you'd get ghosted or something. Um, like, was any I, of that in your head? What I would say is that, that that's happened more recently. And I don't say that in terms of anything being wrong with our relationship. What I'll say with that with Jeffrey is that communicating my needs has always been something very scary because with mm-hmm. my prior experiences, me communicating my needs has resulted in things ending. Yeah. So there's a part of me that can feel anxious with him, even though I trust him that at some point I'll communicate a need that he'll decide that I'm done. I don't, I don't want to do that anymore, or I don't want to do that specifically. So that's, you know, in the beginning, it was more of just like a weird calm. And now is not that this thing's about me tougher, but as I feel more comfortable, I'm doing the scarier things. Mm-hmm interestingly maybe not interestingly but it's something I've thought about I mean Dave tried to say what a good communicator he was and that he promised good communication with me which is a joke in hindsight and now Jeffrey and I we you know I would like to think that we have a really good relationship in terms of communication that doesn't mean that we still don't have miscommunication which can be, Mm -hmm. I guess, scary when it happens because you you tell yourself that we're so good about talking about everything and then things happen. But yeah, yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, I'm, I'm very comfortable being myself with him, which is also scary because it kind of goes back to the needs thing of if I feel like I can be relaxed enough with him to be my true self, you know, will that result in negative things? But yeah, you know, when I was writing to you originally and I said, you know, I, so I don't have like clinical anxiety as far as I know, you know, I just, the relationship, my bad relationship, situationship things, you know, that caused me to feel really shitty, but Mm -hmm. you know, basically all of my anxiety related to relationships is gone as a result of being with Jeffrey. And what I, what I wrote to you, which made me cry was that it's just, like I'm with someone who treats me how I deserve now. And like, it's happy, but it's sad. I'm, I'm going to choose happy, but it's, you know, it's just amazing that I'm just with someone who's good to me and makes me feel loved all the time. And I don't question it ever. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's what we all strive <laughs> for, but like, it doesn't feel like it's possible in a lot mm-hmm. of moments. Mm-hmm. what and I mean I'm so I'm so happy for you and and I also mm-hmm. like kind of cried a little bit like I was definitely tearing up when I was reading your email mm-hmm. um what I guess it what do you wish you knew like or what do you wish you did in in that first situation when you got ghosted or, or when you were really in the thick of it with Dave like what if if someone listening is going through something like that right now what would you tell them based on what you know now I think that it's hard to look at things objectively. I think if you imagine how what you would tell your friends if you saw them in that situation, because my friends could have told you how unhappy I was, and they and they would tell you that you know they they told me that I wasn't happy, and yeah. that 
and if one of my friends was in was experiencing what I was experiencing, they would have, you know, leave. Don't don't do it anymore. No, I think that I think it's hard for us to recognize how like what good we can get, like how good of a person we can get if we haven't experienced it before. I mean, I I tell Jeffrey not infrequently that the way he treats me is what I would have dreamed of that I didn't think it was something that could happen. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I guess I am a romantic person, but I'm not saying that in like a fluffy romantic way. I, I mean that in a very serious way, honestly, that he just treats me the right way mm-hmm. and is a really good person. And, you know, he had his own experiences with dating that have, you know, molded how he treats me, you know, because I think we've all unfortunately dealt with some bad and that's helped him be a better partner also but yeah he's just very emotionally mature which is nice he's very nice and no I'm not gonna lie I mean going back to Dave and like stages of grief I mean I wouldn't necessarily say that my feelings now toward him are healthy per se if we, I know that we've had we've had conversations about stalking exes and this and that and I I mean I still I'm connected to him on social media, but I have muted because yeah. this is like a weird psychological thing, I guess, that I tell myself that I want to one day get to the point that I could see his posts and not have a negative reaction. Um, I'm not at that point now. Still, even being in a healthy relationship, you know, being in a healthy relationship of my own helps a ton. But, you know, seeing him like have a girlfriend and living a life is not like, even though, as we know, social media isn't real life me I don't want to see that and probably the one thing that help has helped me the most with not stalking him on social media is that when I was first dealing with the aftermath and the fallout of that I saw some sort of Instagram story thing of like how to avoid stalking your ex on social media and one person's advice was that I know that it just causes me pain when I do it so why would I want to cause that pain to myself Mm -hmm. and I found that to be very helpful Yeah, it's so true. It's like, you're going to get upset. You're going to feel like there's a fucking dagger going through your heart every time you do Mm -hmm. it. And it's hard because sometimes like we can't help ourselves. But if you really think about it, it's like you're trying to heal and you're trying Mm -hmm. like you don't you don't need to feel that way. You don't deserve to feel that way. And it's in your power to Mm -hmm. prevent yourself from doing that. And so I think if you can even just like before you go to do it anyone who's listening like take a few seconds to think like do I need to do this right now like what is this going like how will this benefit me it won't and it will not there's no there's no world in which it would yeah I mean even if you see that they've that you know your ex is broken up has broken up with their new partner like what does that even do it doesn't then you're you're just gonna have a million questions that are gonna mm -hmm. go unanswered and you're gonna create all these other stories in your head and it's it's Mm -hmm. just yeah it doesn't need to happen yeah no I mean you know in other ways though I have healed like I'd mentioned Venmo and how like Venmo would stress me out because I would see him interacting with you know Mm -hmm. transactions with girls for many months after that I could not go on Venmo or when I went on Venmo I'd like truly like cover the screen and like just go straight to me and do my transaction and leave. I could not open Venmo. And now I can. And that's probably sounds ridiculous to someone who's never experienced that. But it was truly such a source of anxiety to me that I would open Venmo and see that he was like 
giving money to his girlfriend or his girlfriend was giving money to him. And like, is that to me showing that the relationship still exists? Yeah. And I've been there and it's, it's brutal. Yeah. And you know, now I can do it and it's fine. And, you know, I had told you that part of my, another example of my healing is that, you know, closer to the aftermath of Dave and with Mike, the guy who ghosted me is that I would be able to remember like every detail of every minute we spent together. And when I was writing into you, a lot of those details have faded that I don't remember them anymore. And I see that as a good thing that I don't fixate it on, on it anymore. I have my own memories with Jeffrey that are so much better. And if there has been some overlap in things that I've done with Jeffrey or with the, or previous people that, you know, I have my good most recent ones with him. And, you know, I just, I don't need to fixate on that anymore because I have someone who's so much better. And I'm not just saying that to pump me or him up. It's the objective truth that he's so much better. It also gives hope. Like it gives hope to me. It gives hope hopefully to people who are listening that like, regardless of what you go through, like that doesn't define you. And that doesn't mean that if you have one bad experience, they're all going to be bad experiences. Or if you date Mm -hmm. one bad person, or one person who hurts you, not everybody is going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. And there are people who are going to be right for you and who are going to treat you the way you deserve. And I also, I I appreciate you sharing that, like you're, you're still in in that like anger phase where you are angry at him and, Mm -hmm. and you don't wish well Mm -hmm. for him yet. Um, And, and whether you will or not, I, I think that's okay. And I don't think that's a weakness. I don't think that's something where it's like, Oh, well, you're not over it. Like, how are you in a new, like serious relationship when you're still like angry about this guy? Like, I think that is totally normal. And I think that's something that people often like feel shame for feeling and feel like it's wrong of them to feel that way because you should, mm-hmm. if you're with someone new, like totally have moved on, not care anymore. But I, I think the things that people do to us, like the pain that people put on us really, like it's one of the like most real and like raw things in life. And I think it's, it's totally valid and and rational and normal mm-hmm. to not be able to flip that switch and, and want good for that person or, or to have that lingering anger towards Mm -hmm. them. Cause I mean, I know I do towards people, um, Mm -hmm. who have hurt me and Mm -hmm. I I went through all of those things, the the Venmo thing, the Instagram thing, like, and Mm -hmm. and all that and more. And, and it's been even like four years later, I'm still like, wow, you literally ruined my life. Fuck you. Like, I don't wish well for you Mm -hmm. because you, did think like did things to me, said things to me, made me feel ways that like no human ever deserves to feel. But yeah. I felt like I deserved it for some reason. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, no, I mean it's you know, you can you can find good. That that's my takeaway. And, you know, going back to the texting again, which I'm sure some people relate to, it's like my current boyfriend's texting style of texting me every few hours, it does not bother me at all anymore. It mm-hmm. not at all. And in a weird way, I like it better than if he texted me constantly. And I almost feel like it created more anxiety, the constant responding, feeling right. the constant need to respond that when I, that when he texts me, whenever he does, you know, in previous examples, I, previous people, I would feel like I'd have to respond immediately. That if I don't respond mm-hmm. immediately, you know, like not good, it shows you're not interested or like he'll forget or not just like bad things. Now yeah. when he respond, now when he texts me, whenever it is, I'm like, okay, I don't have a time, like a second now to like thoughtfully respond. So I can wait 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour and it's okay. We're still together. We're still healthy. We're still fine. 
And I'd like to think that that's growth on my part and being with someone good. And I'd say that that's a lot of what I would say to other people is that you really don't have to feel anxious. And I know, you know, the seeing other people, you know, the social media has said as such, but that shouldn't be a part of it. It doesn't need to be, you know, the anxiety I feel isn't hundred percent gone, but I'd say it's about 98% gone just by being with someone who's a good partner. It's yeah. amazing. That's, that's the goal. That's what, that's what mm-hmm. I want for everyone listening. And mm-hmm. I, I, I do believe that we are all capable of getting there. It's just not always as easy of a journey that we want it to be. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on the episode and, and opening up and sharing your story. I know it's not always easy to talk about these things, but I, I do think that it's really important and that it, it all works towards like everyone feeling less alone and, and feeling mm-hmm. like they're not crazy, which is yeah. very important. Yeah, but that's all we need. So thank you, Alana. Yeah. Thank you for creating this podcast. If, if I can just help one person feel like it's okay and that we'll get through it and that they understand that, you know, dating's rough, but it can be really good when you find the right person. Exactly. Well, we'll end on that note. Um, Thank you again for joining us. Thank you everyone for listening. And this has been Seeing Other People Unfiltered.